The following podcast is brought to you by Marks with Mics. I have no problem calling people Marks. No, no, he's thinking, don't tell me! Mark. Don't tell me! Mamma mia! Mamma mia! Are you kidding me? Mark is. Welcome to the Marks with Mike's podcast. Here are your hosts, Mr. Six Foot Nine, the homeboy, Doug Douglas, and Dre, the Juice Man. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Marks with Mike's. I am your host, Mr. Six Foot Nine. JT the Godfather back in this piece once again and I am joined by Mr. Tales of Wrestling himself, the homeboy, Doug Douglas. What's going on, player? What's going on, man? We have another great show today. We've got some Raw to talk about. We've got some SmackDown to talk about. Got some NXT to talk about. Got some AEW to talk about. Got some uh, previews for this weekend to uh, to talk about with uh, you uh, potentially getting some cool interviews for us for the Marks with Mike's Faithful. But uh, yeah, man, uh, let's get started. Uh, what did you think about uh, how the King of the Ring tournament got off to start on uh, Monday? Well, I'm going to be quite honest. Uh, it got off to a better start than what I thought it would have because... Let's just be honest, the last King of the Rain tournament, the start to it was not the greatest, you know, and it's kind of one of the reasons why it went away for so long. But uh, I did like the start of it, uh, seeing Samoa Joe um, beat Cesaro was satisfying, but at the same time, I, I kind of felt like that match should have been like, you know, the the next round, you know, not the first round. I didn't want to see those two go at it like that because I like Cesaro as a character. I like Joe as a character. And I kind of, I kind of feel like, you know, that match could have, you know, waited to the semifinals. Uh, but nevertheless, Joe does what Joe does, which is make everyone go night-night, which is, uh, you know, basically his M.O. He'll put you to sleep just as fast as you step in that ring. So, you know, unfortunately, Cesaro catching the L, but I'm pretty sure they got big plans for him. Yeah, and I think Samoa Joe, for where he's at right now, is uh, just a little bit more involved in the week-to-week programming. So to have him look um, strong enough to to make it out of the first round, I think, is important. He takes uh, too many L's in general, I think. So to have him get a first-round loss would have not been great. Uh, Cesaro's still trying to get the, the new character and gimmick established. Um, so I think it's okay for him to float around a little bit, having good matches with people, um, still being involved, but more from an in-ring standpoint, not necessarily with a character that's, um, on any sort of particular storyline or whatnot. Um, but we also had Cedric and Sammy and, you know, as we get to on SmackDown, Sammy Zayn takes another loss. Uh, but again, Cedric Alexander has been involved with the Roman Reigns story. Uh, him and Buddy Murphy have both been kind of getting a, a slight push there. So 
Uh, it makes sense to have someone like Sammy kind of come in there and sell, uh, you know, Cedric like a million bucks. Um, kind of on a side note, I was watching that match and I always uh, appreciated Sammy's sell game. Um, but it almost, I've it, it, it's not as enjoyable for me anymore now that he loses as much as he does because it's almost like he's he's getting to that point where. It's almost like Ziggler, like you, he, he's he's in there to lose and look good losing and make the other guy look well, almost to his own detriment. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree agree with that. Um, they just put him in in these awkward. I don't even say awkward because it's kind of what you expect at at this point. I mean, unfortunate. I mean, hell of a worker, hell of a seller, but. You know, this is just where he's at right now for the time being, uh, as far as his placement in the card. Uh, hopefully, things change, but I don't know. I just don't see anything happening. I don't. I don't. I don't look at it like that, like because I don't normally. But um, I think it was always what he was supposed to end up doing is taking a bunch of losses. Um, to the point where um, he got some sort of this is why you should like me type thing or taking his obnoxiousness to the next level. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the Shinsuke stuff here in a little bit, but I always think I always viewed him needing to go through the heel run to really bring him back strong as a baby face um, just because I think that's usually how a lot of the underdogs end up doing it. It's they win the crowd over reluctantly kind of thing um, because certain people know his ability, but that's not always going to translate into a character that the general masses are going to root for. So it's almost like he needs to annoy you a long, a long time or, you know, run his mouth and, and not back it up for a long enough time where he, he, he all of a sudden people are starting to root for him to win. Not necessarily like a Heath Slater esque thing, but more like a Daniel Bryan thing, where the you know the yes chance turned and reluctantly into the crowd liking you kind of thing. So the problem is, I think it it was starting to get to the Heath point, which was, but then they did the Shinsuke thing the next night. So like at least it was going somewhere, which makes me feel better about it, I guess. I mean, I definitely like the duo. You know, I like it. You know, of um, of having those two together, I think it could definitely translate to something very, very well uh, as far as future tense. Well, and they already kind of alluded to the fact that Shinsuke or that Sammy was there when Shinsuke came into the company, and they're they're tied from that way. That's seriously one of my favorite all-time matches that I've seen in the, the modern era. So if this is something that leads to us getting another Shinsuke Sami Zayn program, I'm all for it. Um, I don't know who you turn babyface in that scenario. If you keep having Sami Zayn, um, you know, be annoying, and then all of a sudden, you know, Shinsuke turns on him and and goes savage mode and beats the shit out of him. I mean, we get some sympathy for Sammy or if, you know, Sammy ditches him or starts trying to take advantage of him or leech off of him or pissing him off, whatever. And then, you know, Shinsuke kind of comes back and we get a revived baby face Shinsuke. I'm not sure where they're going with Shinsuke to know where they're going with Sammy because 
They haven't really done anything consistently with Shinsuke since he was winning Rumbles, and then after that he had the feud with AJ, and then ever since then it's kind of been where is this guy going character-wise. So I, I guess we have to see what they're, they're going to do with him to know what we're going to have happen with Sammy. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, hopefully we get uh, Sami Zayn turning on Shinsuke and basically, you know, attacking him, trying to get a title shot, and maybe we get that that Shinsuke of old, and we get that classic match back at that magnitude. I don't, I don't, I don't want a WWE type match. I want an NXT type match between those two. Uh, but speaking of uh, Raw as well, we had appearance by the Fiend. And a lot of people noticed something different about The Fiend this time around. I mean, I don't think it was too big, but uh, a, lot of people, a lot of people were noticing his mask. It was different. Yeah, I, I, um, I kind of view it like an Oscar-type thing where it'll be basically the same kind of thing, but maybe you'll see some subtle differences from week to week. Or it, maybe he's going to have, like, a couple. I got to imagine he's got to have a couple just for the fact that that thing probably stinks after a while, you know? <laughs> So, um, yeah, or like a Ray Mysterio, any Lucha. I mean, they they all have like a couple different types of masks. So maybe we'll see like that kind of thing uh, with the Fiend. And um, I know Asuka tried to have like different themes where it was, you know, when I wore this one, this was like the mood that I was trying to go for. Other people have done it where, you know, this, the, the color scheme is matching the city that they're in or, you know, the, the the ethnic background that they are, you know, whatever. So The Fiend obviously is a little bit different um, where he's always going to be The Fiend and, you know, it's always going to be an evil type thing. Um, but, yeah, uh, taking out another legend. This is what I want them to keep doing. You can book the legends to be on the show so that they can have their moment of nostalgia, we can have their moment of nostalgia, and it gets the effect, and then it still gets the new guys over. It integrates them into the program in a way where they actually matter. The the the, the it, it actually there's a reason for them being there. They're not just there to be there. They're not just there to to make the the young guys look silly because you know um, is. As cool as you might be, or as up and coming as you might be, you know, there we we still got uh, you know our veteran experience. That's always like the vibe they go for. You know, I, I think it's it's less intentional, like from a malicious standpoint, than a lot of people think. It just happens. But it, it it is just one of those things where it, it's almost like they 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 don't they want to give these guys a rub sometimes, but they don't want to give them too much of a rub. Where we wasted a rub on a guy that didn't pan out, but then that almost immediately gives it a vibe of these guys aren't going to pan out because they didn't get that rub. So like perfect example with the Ascension, if the Ascension would have actually took out a few old legends along the way to getting their asses jumped by 20 people, then that would have been a different story, but it was just immediately beat the shit out of the Ascension. A bunch of old dudes made it look weird. Now when they just did it with the club, it was like eight to three. So like there was an understanding and they didn't just run away. They just backed off realizing that, you know, maybe we could beat you guys, but fuck it. You guys, you gotta, you guys have three. So with Wyatt, he's been taking out legends left and right. Um, bring these guys, Trish, 
uh, anyone that come back can can come back and put people over and as long as they're not just bringing any old people back and they're not building all of these matches up like cuz Trish was Canadian so in Toronto so and from Toronto so it made sense for that to be built up that way as long as there's a reason to build a match build a match or just do some stuff like they did with Elias and Jeff Jarrett and stuff like that it didn't really go anywhere but it was, you know, a couple of weeks of getting a rub of I'm the new guy that hits people with guitars and is a bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely understand that, um, especially with the Fiend's character. Like, uh, just going off what you were saying with the legends coming in every so often. Like, I would love to see him take out known legends, uh, known legends for p- particular things. Like, we, we know Jerry the King Lawler is a legend not only on commentary but also a legend in wrestling period you know and just you know through memphis through through the u.s running the territories but you know you have characters like mick foley who was uh you know he's more famous for his alter egos you know mankind being sick and deranged and he's adopted the mandible claw the fiend now as one of his one of his uh, finishing moves i would like to see this continue to go on I, I i would like to see you know someone like uh let me just throw something weird out there right some someone like the boogeyman pop up on raw for some 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 reason period and he's there and he's scaring the shit out of somebody and then the fiend just comes out of nowhere and takes him out and then you know you get you get to someone like Kane, and you know he's there. Don't know why he's there. The Fiend shows up. He takes him out, and then finally he gets to the Undertaker. I don't hate that at all. Uh, you know you can have it culminate at Hell in the Cell. You can have it be a whole Halloween esque type thing where you know it, it's all of a sudden Bray is going for dominance and have. Have it culminated Survivor Series, you know. You can always build an Undertaker pay-per-view around Survivor Series. Oh, it's the historic pay-per-view where the Undertaker debuted. So it's it's already there. That's already a reason why he would want to be on the card. And then if he's fucking with Kane, you know, now you're messing with the Brothers Destruction, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and maybe you can get... Um, I don't know if you're going to have Bray Wyatt completely on his own this time, but if you want to introduce... Anyone else, like a uh, Harper, maybe uh, rebooted. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Rowan seems to be fine on his own. Maybe we need a new Wyatt-type person that's not Strowman, Rome, Rowan. Good God, all these names are so similar. Um, and, and Harper. Maybe we need a new Alistair Black, uh, Damian Priest. I don't know. But you could build that into that there, there's a million possibilities, but just make sure that you're passing the torch when you do it, not just getting a cool feud and and leaving the, 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 the torch passing for a later time. It's not burying the guy. The people are still going to want to see The Undertaker. You know, You don't want to have him lose every single time he shows up or it really starts to ruin who he is and what his character's been. But at the same time... You build the fiend the right way; it all makes sense. Exactly, you know. I I totally agree with that. I mean, just going back, I mean, Bray Wyatt's first person that the first person Bray Wyatt took out when he debuted, it, debuted it, when he debuted on the main roster was Kane. 
So I, I think it comes full circle if that was to happen. Uh, but going back to what you were saying, like far as that in the tag team, you've already mentioned a tag team that, that I think would be good if this were to happen the right way. Like, uh, well, the first tag team I had in mind, of course, they're all broken up is Sanity. Sanity would have been perfect with this this type of look. Uh, and then, but for a tag team that you can use right now, you've already mentioned this tag team. I would say reboot the Ascension. Who needs it more than them? Who needs it more than them? And then you have to look at the fact he can re reboot, re, um, not reboot, uh, he can give, give a new jump start to these guys' career. I mean, especially if they do it right, uh, along along the lines of keeping it within the fiends type of uh, persona, like I don't want to, I don't want to see the goofy shoulder pads that that they tried to make for them uh, to make them look like the, the LOD. I want these guys to have a totally different look, but be aligned with the fiend. What do you think about that? Yeah, you would have to do something drastic with them, almost cosmetically, uh, new gear, maybe different face paint uh masks something to make them not appear because it's it's almost like the very sight of them just brings back all the the goofy shit that they've gone through so you you would have to yeah you it's yeah especially with the last real main thing they did being involved with the fashion files so there's got to be a drastic reboot there um you you brought up Sanity. I wouldn't hate Eric Young being partnered with him in in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you know Young is still looking um, for a, an outlet for his sanity after you know Nikki Cross and uh, Killian Dane and Alex, Alexander Wolf have all gone their own respective brands. Um, so everyone's on separate brands. So you can really build the Eric Young is kind of wandering aimlessly looking for something to do um my i really feel like the fiend is a real good solo act though so i hesitate on whether or not it should involve other people it's just that with bray wyatt he's so good and he can help elevate people but you just don't want the gimmick to be um, drag down. Maybe you can have some of these guys be at the the Firefly Funhouse, um, but have no concept of what the Fiend's gonna do, and they can play off that. Or maybe have one, you know, a uh, man bring back Bo Dallas to try to talk some sense into Bray Wyatt, and and have him reboot the whole. I'm smiling, and everyone, let, here's some cookies from like his NXT Championship run, and and integrate him into the Funhouse. Uh, and then, oh, gee, Bray, you know, you gotta, you gotta stop doing all this stuff. You know, you gotta try to get a hold of the fiend. You're the fiend, you know. And then, wow, no, I'm not the fiend, you know. And then just have, you could do a bunch of shit, um, but just make sure that at the end of the day, he's still a destructive force that wins matches. That's where it all went wrong last time. You can do anything outside of the ring that you want. There's a billion possibilities. Just don't make the dude look like a joke in the wins and loss comms. Cause something like that, a dude like that has to win matches. Damn you, John Cena. <laughs> I remember that WrestleMania 30. Do you know how pissed I was that he didn't go over? But uh, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you, man, and I'd I definitely like to see those two brothers work together as a unit on the main roster. I mean, it's 
I think it'll be great. But moving on, I don't want to get too caught up on The Fiend because he is the hottest thing going right now in WWE. I mean, even down to his iTunes numbers. The man's iTunes numbers. Also, you know, you have to also look at, um, you know, his YouTube hits, everything. But leaving from The the Fiend, let's uh, go on to, of course, Sasha's back. And Sasha is definitely becoming the hill that I've always wanted. I mean, in a, first of all, not even answering Michael Cole's question, talking about her blue hair, thought was hilarious. And, of course, uh, Michael Cole with his response, it was, it was just perfectly timed. Uh, then, But then later on in the show, to interrupt Natty from doing another promo, attacks her, tell, tell your daddy... I said hi. Go to hell. Yeah, that's what it was. Go to hell and tell your daddy I said hi. Ruthless. I don't. I don't like the fact that they're dragging out the whole, uh, the the whole death angle of her father. But at the same time, it's WWE. I don't understand how we're supposed to get heat. You know, the, everyone is complaining about this is cheap heat. How how do you get heat in 2019 when we when we're, we're actually genuinely trying to make characters that we know for a fact are going to be outside available for autographs, leaving the building in an hour, uh, hateable. You, you've got to do something that crosses the line. You got to do something that, you know, if you really want to get your heel character across, you got to be a dick on social media. You got to not sign autographs. You got to make Izzy cry in the crowd. You got to make Natty fucking bring up her dead. You have to do that. That's what heels do. And at, at some point, you have to remember that these are heels and that that's why that they're saying the things that they do or else you're making nonsensical characters. Heels aren't supposed to be nice. A heel asshole bitch persona, that would be the first thing that they bring up. That's like... One of the main folds of her character is that she's uh, Anvil's daughter, and, and he had died recently. It had been a part of her character before he had died. It's it's always been. It's she's the Heart Foundation. She's Jim Anvil, Jim Nine Hearts' daughter, and it's always been a part of it. It would make zero sense for someone that we're supposed to believe is a savage, ruthless, boss ass bitch to not say some shit like that. So I hope all the people that have been asking for the Attitude Era and all this kind of shit aren't the same people crying about this kind of... It's, it's, it's a television program. I imagine that Sasha was probably saying some genuine nice things before she started the angle. <laughs> right before that, like, you know what? I'm, I, I, I miss Anvil, too. and like, But at the same time, too... You can't tell me that Anvil wouldn't approve of this. He's a, a diehard wrestling dude. He he understood the business. He understood what it takes to get people over. I, anytime, as long as people are involved with it or cool with it, I'm cool with it. And if it's on air, I gotta imagine they're cool with it at least to a certain degree. You know, I, I can't imagine that it's a situation where it's like we're gonna bring this up and you're gonna have to fucking deal with it. I don't want to do with it. I don't fucking care. You're going to say it. And this is what I don't think it's that serious or it's that malicious or ruthless when they do that kind of shit. So if it's on the airwaves, let it be what it is. If you want to get pissed at it, don't get pissed at the heels. Stop getting pissed at the writers. You know, it's 
oh, that it's always the good things go to the the the, the people that you're are in the ring at the time, and the bad things go to Vince Dunn or or whoever else or the writers, and it, it's just. It's ridiculous. People need to be able to accept the fact that if a heel is doing good heel work, we're allowed to be mad at them. We're allowed to feel a negative emotion towards a bad guy. Exactly. I mean, you have to look back at at these older heels. I mean, look at Ric Flair. Ric Flair was the biggest asshole as a heel. I mean, and then, then on top of that, he rubbed it in your face. That was his job. This is how he generated heat. I mean, I've said it many times on the show before. My grandmother absolutely despised Ric Flair. It was a, it was to the point that she, she would bring stuff with her. Like that's the type of heat that that we generally need right now. But of course, and then in, in this type of stage of the world where wrestling is available online and there's spoilers everywhere and all this stuff, it's like you know it's kind of hard to to keep that hill persona going. You know, there's there's very few guys who do it right now, uh, currently, especially on the indie scene. Like uh, one one person who's currently great at being a hill twenty four seven is MJF. I mean, it's that's just you just you can't deny it it's at all like you you can say what you say about him but he's a phenomenal hill and we have to let people be hills so i I definitely like the fact that sasha is turning it up just a little bit uh you know so this is this is definitely what what i want uh far as far as uh as, as a feud and far as sasha banks going forward i i, I need her to be just as ruthless well take that back because i actually know someone who uses that uh i need i need her to be just as bossy and just as just as badass as possible because i don't need a halfway in between lukewarm hill i need a all the way hill for this to sell for me but yeah and and that's exactly it and that and that's where heels go wrong is they they have to be cowards too early in a feud. Um, they're not allowed to cheat anymore. You know, it's just one of those things where heels get lumped into a very specific things that they have to do. Um, there's a bunch of different types of them, um, but at the end of the day, you know, there's not enough of the the, the ruthless tactics. Um, the not being afraid to cross lines, the not being afraid to cheat. Um, you don't have to end every match in a screwball finish, but you can have it teased that the heel is trying to have a screwball finish. But you, you, even shit like that, there's just not enough ways to build heat um, that are being used, uh, it seemingly, anymore. But um, on a different note, we had uh, a, a very uh, interesting title change uh, end the show. Um, we have Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman as new Raw Tag Team Championships. Champions got the championships. Um, I, I don't know where this is necessarily going. I mean, I think that it's you know pretty obvious that they're going to do a, Rome, or a, a Rollins and Strowman uh, for the universal championship, but how the tag championships fall into that, how the club uh, fall into that, uh, I, I definitely think that there's something that 
we're not seeing yet because some of it seems way too telegraphed for us to have the whole picture. Well, I had a vision. Uh, I frequently get these visions. Call me right now for your free reading. Shout out to Miss Cleo. Uh, but the we got to find that clip. But uh, th- here's here's my vision. So I think the reason why they're doing this is to go ahead and establish the club as a dominant hill faction. And I know it seems backwards. What do you mean? They just dropped the tag team titles. I understand that. But AJ still has a U.S. title. And I think where this ties into those who taken the belts off uh, Gallows and Anderson, I think we're, we're going to end up with a triple threat match somewhere along the line where it's AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman. How do we get there? We get there from AJ Styles costing them the tag team championships when they defended against Gallows and Anderson. So so Gallows and Anderson get the belts back. Correct. And who ends up with the Universal and who ends up with the U.S.? Well, my vision didn't go that far. But if we're just talking off straight bullshit and shots of Tito Vodka, I would say that the U.S. title stays where it's at. Um, The Universal title will end up changing hands, and I think AJ Styles will be the person to grab that Universal title and the club will have all the red belts on that brand. And I think eventually you're going to have a two-belt AJ, just the same way you have a two-belt Styles, and AJ Styles will eventually drop that belt somewhere down the line. I, I feel like this is the Undisputed Era, but in a less likely version. I think the Undisputed Era... We're jumping a little ahead here. I think they will eventually be draped in gold. I think that they've built that story up to the point where it's going to happen. But I don't think – we were talking about this before the show. Gallows and Anderson do not get a reaction to the level that they need for this to be pushed as a faction that's not just AJ Styles and his two dudes. When DX was a thing – the New Age Outlaws were already white hot before they became into the DX fold. So when they came out separately, and even individually when they had singles matches every once in a while, Road Dog would get a reaction, Billy Gunn would get a reaction. Gals and Anderson don't even get a reaction by themselves. They, they It's with AJ. They get some boos when it's really being hammered home in the middle of a match that they're doing heelish things. Um, they get a reaction to a certain level, but as far as that, oh shit, it's the heels, but they're cool heels, so we're still happy to see them pop, they don't get that. AJ gets that. Gals and Anderson don't get that. Um, I, there's just something that never clicked. It, it's, it, it could be the booking. We were talking about that, too. It's just, I don't know if these guys are ever going to be taken seriously at the rate that we're going it always seems bent on Japan. It always seems bent on what they did in the past, not what they're doing now. When they do win championships, it's always out of fucking nowhere. 
and it has no steam to it, and then they drop them. I can't take the club seriously at this point. I I, I would like to. I can't right now. I still like AJ. I like Gallows and Anderson. It's just that the, they have yet to be treated like a legitimate force. Now, could this be the 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 shit that really pisses them off and kicks them into a new gear where they're beating everyone? Sure, but right now heels, especially heel factions, don't get treated legitimately. You're just three awesome baby faces tag teaming away in a six team tag match or a six man tag match away from burying the club as a legitimate force. Now you're not supposed to make guys look dominant all the time. And you, you can use that to make the faces look good every once in a while, but uh, there's just not enough times where the heels come out on top to, for them to just start throwing around. And that's why the Oast C is the, the most dominant faction in WWE today. First of all, who the fuck is the other faction besides maybe like the new day? Um, and, <laughs> and second of all, what the, f- they haven't done anything. You, 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 they're, they're pulling the cart before the horse on some of this shit. It, it, and then I feel like I can hear them arguing internally with themselves and being frustrated. Like, well, this is what the fans wanted. The fans want it to be built in a way where it makes logical sense and there's a progressive storyline, not just taking someone from 0 to 60. You look back at Jinder Mahal being a WWE champion. He was actually a pretty damn good heel champion. He ran his mouth all the time. He had something to do. He had uh, heel uh, cronies that, that, that did his dirty work for him. You wanted to see him lose. But it was just never taken seriously from the get-go because it went from jobber to champion overnight. And that's exactly what happened with Gallows and Anderson. They were fucking nothing. They were in the back and catering. They got goaded by AJ Styles for a few weeks. Uh, All of a sudden, they decided to start uh, uh, being heels again. And then all of a sudden, they win a championship. But yet, a week, two weeks later, they dropped the belts. What, What am I supposed to take out of that? Well, damn. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you have all valid points, sir. You have all valid points. But I take back my too sweet because you just absolutely buried my guys. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, you, you have valid points. I mean... And I, we talked about this before the show, and I think 90% of it was the way they booked them. Because generally, when they debuted it, there goes that word, when they, when they debuted and they attacked the Usos, which was a red-hot tag team, always have been. Well, I'm not going to say always have been. Always have been. I mean, it took them like a good year to break. But they went in after the hottest tag team, when they debuted it. There we go again. When they debuted. Anywho. So when they debuted and they also were going after Roman Reigns, who was also tied into a feud with AJ. So they were hot at one point. That was their time for them to capitalize off them being hot. And then they totally dropped it. They never picked up the tag team championships. It took them all the way to wrestle. No, it took them all the way to what was it? Royal Rumble of what was that? 
2017. Yeah, 2017, the Royal Rumble. It's, it's, it's where they picked him up, and then WrestleMania, they lost him to the Hardys. Here, here's here's where the here's where one of my main things that I don't think is is understood and and being operated on the the right wavelength right now between the fans and the booking and what they want and all that kind of stuff because all right you, you've got these guys that were good in Japan and they were part of a hot faction in Japan. But not everyone watches that, and not everyone that even knows that it happened and has seen clips of it has even still watched it. I've seen plenty of clips from the days of Bullet Club and and those guys in Japan. I still have never watched a full angle uh, of of front to back, week to week shit where I understood a feud that they were in. I'm aware of it, but I still don't know, and. I'm in the 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 middle ether here, in between the 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 true diehards that watch every promotion and and can't miss New Japan, can't miss NXT, can't miss AEW, watch every single thing that they can get into. I'm somewhere in the middle of that, and your casual fan. So your casual fans have absolutely no idea what they did in Japan. It sounds like some dumb bullshit that they say to them. Oh, they're in Japan. And that doesn't mean anything in, in what is supposed to be a fucking fake sport. Like, you, you can't waffle between 24-7 champion type shit and then also treat, like, that the Japan was, like, some sort of uh, high ground for... for and, and neither one of those guys demonstrate anything in the ring that makes them look like they're different from from anyone else. When, when a ricochet comes over and they're talking about how he travels the world... That motherfucker looks like he travels the world because he's so damn good and everyone in the world wants to see him. When they come over, it just looks like no one booked them and they got booked in Japan. And then now all of a sudden they had enough heat where they can finally get signed by WWE. That's what it seems like and that's kind of what happened. So the work shoot aspect of, of why it is that they're cool isn't enough to prevent the casuals from what does that do for a casual fan uh and then now he starts wearing face paint and again they do these nods and winks to the smarks and all the dudes that think that they they know everything but it doesn't do a fucking thing but confuse everyone else that doesn't know what they're talking about so they can't get behind them because instead of saying wow i know that's cool because it just happened new they explained it and, and it all makes sense we're, we're supposed to be able to fill in these blanks by knowing previous wrestling knowledges from other promotions. So it's like they don't want to acknowledge other promotions, but they don't. They, they want you to already understand a certain aspect of it. They don't want to talk down to the fans like they, they and dumb it down for them. But they're not filling in the blanks. They're, they're, they either they're all in or they're, they're all out on some of this shit. Same thing with NXT. You're supposed to know that. That Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa have this heated rivalry when they come up and they do these tag team matches when Ricochet and Aleister Black start coming up. But it doesn't mean a whole lot. Like, wrestling is all about rivalries. You can't just say, oh, this is a rivalry. You, you should know that these guys hate each other and, and then be completely filled in on the emotional ride that that whole fucking storyline was. So you can't half-bake filling people in if you're going to fill them in you need to fill them in show us fucking clips 
get New Japan to allow you to do that. You have to explain it, or you have to leave it alone and build it organically and not say that they were a club, but, you know, not the club, but the only club that met. It's like it's a whole meta fucking thing that doesn't make any fucking sense. And they're, they're trying to capitalize on shit that isn't theirs, but it, it makes sense to do so. So make it your own, build it the right way, and fucking think out the marketing and the branding. And no, it's just the whole fucking thing already just doesn't work for me. It's, it's completely predicated on the fact that AJ Styles is fucking awesome. And I like Gallows and Anderson outside of the ring because I've seen him in interviews and shit. So, like, I like them, but, like, character-wise, it's all over the fucking place. So, it's a no for you. It's a no. Okay, Randy. <laughs> Randy, what do you think? It's a no for me, too, dog. That's a nice way to switch on with uh, but I definitely, uh, I definitely see a grievances. And um, if you are a fan, if you have not seen their previous work in New Japan, well, I'm gonna tell you basically what WWE is telling you. Google that shit. Uh, so moving on from from that angle, uh, just moving on all the way on to the next big announcement that broke news in the morning, uh, right on the internet. People were expecting to see that announcement on Raw, but they basically broke this news on the internet, all over Twitter, all over everyone's social media, every major outlet, outlet from CBS all the way down to uh, the Bleach Report and other various news outlets, as uh, far as ESPN. Uh, they reported that NXT is coming to prime time. The Wednesday Night Wars are officially on, and they have their television deal. This is great news, uh, especially for the guys and girls down there in NXT. Rumored to get a pay increase because of the television rights, which is good. So uh, definitely happy for the promotion, happy for the guys in NXT. It's something that people have been clamoring for for a while, for them to be actually taken serious as a legitimate brand. I mean, they teased NXT before when, when they aired, you know, uh, Halftime Heat. They teased NXT before when they aired, I think, an episode of NXT on USA before. So it's not it's, it's not his first time being on USA. Of course, we thought that it was going to FS1 like everyone else, but, of course, we were all definitely wrong. Uh, USA getting that deal. Uh, of course, some people are saying that FS1 probably feels shafted in a little bit, but I, I think they, they're still going to get some material out of this. But NXT on the USA Network, 8 o'clock p.m., guess who's on at 8 o'clock p.m.? Oh, it's AEW on TNT. So it's direct reminiscence to the USA TNT war. Uh, I'm 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 excited. I, I'm not picking any side. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, what side will, will you choose?" I'm I'm choosing the side of journalism. I'm I'm just gonna watch everything and just look at them both. But uh, you know, and just as a wrestling fan, I want both companies to succeed because when they succeed, more people are getting fed, more families are healthy. So. Uh, I'm definitely excited for it, man. Uh, of course, you had the AIW marks out there. Oh, this is messed up. WWE is going on Wednesday nights because AEW is going on Wednesday nights. And I call BS. How about you? 
Of course I call BS because I've been calling BS on everything that the, the diehard AEW fans have been doing ever since AEW became a thing. It's complete fucking nonsense to believe that people that are diehard enough wrestling fans to, to choose sides in a war are unable to watch multiple programs in 2019 with on-demand and DVR and streaming services and Netflix. shit like that. You can watch... Whatever the fuck you want to watch, whenever the fuck you want to watch it, but you you have to pick. You you don't have to pick anything. If you don't like a program, don't watch it. It, it, it shouldn't have anything to do with cable slots. That that hasn't been a problem since the fucking VCR has been invented. You could have always taped the other program when when my fucking dad wanted to watch something and I wanted to watch something. A VCR tape went in, and someone had to record something. Someone wasn't watching something. That's how I used to watch wrestling back in the day. It had nothing to do with there being another competitor. It had to be their competitor in the television and, and who got the remote. So now that we don't have to worry about any of that shit, the, the fact that people feel that they need to pick sides is just people trying to find identity through wrestling. And I understand that, man. Everyone wants a place in this world. But we can all just be wrestling fans and get along with each other, not pick these dumbass sides. Because the wrestlers don't pick sides. They go between promotions and, and have buddies in other promotions. Both sides want to make money. You know, it has nothing to do with the fact that one needs to go out of business or whatever the fuck else. It, 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 has, it should have nothing to do with that. And the fact that WWE put NXT against AEW is already kind of like a, a baller move to begin with. Like, you can compete with our uh, our third brand. It's it's a little up and coming thing. Uh, it's a little side project that we've been working on. So it's like that. That's what we're gonna compete with. And aside from all that shit. The fact that I get so fucking annoyed by all these conversations and everyone needing to be an insider from the business side of things, we, we get away from the fan side of things. We're, we're, we're going on this stupid bullshit where, again, The Fiend is happening on Raw. Um, uh, Buddy Murphy and uh, Cedric Alexander getting pushes are happening on Raw. Other things that we have liked on Raw and SmackDown have been under Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon. So it's not like every single fucking thing that they touch is ruined. Just Do they ruin things? Do they overbrand things? Do they rename people when they shouldn't? Yes, all those types of things happen, but it doesn't mean that they don't also do positive things. So to assume that all of a sudden it's on USA, it's completely fucking ruined, it'll never be good again, it's just, is first of all, it's pessimistic bullshit. And second of all, the pessimistic bullshit gets us away from being able to talk about the optimistic shit. Like, dude, we could have a Survivor Series match, a five-on-five team with fucking... Raw versus SmackDown, instead of Raw versus SmackDown, we can have Raw and SmackDown team work together to go after against it. We can do an NXT invasion. We can do all these positive things now that it's going to be on an equal footing as far as everyone is going to be able to tune to USA and know what NXT is now as opposed to needing a WWE Network subscription. And like you said, these guys and girls all get pay raises. They get more exposure. They're going to sell more T-shirts. They're going to make more money for their families. And that's what we're all about here. We're all trying to make some money. We're all trying to watch good wrestling. So why anyone needs to take this to a this is going to get ruined, uh, it's all about AEW, I'm going to intentionally watch this instead of that, fuck off, all right? Just be a wrestling fan or just admit that you're 
trying to get off on being this fucking critic and all this kind of stuff because we do the same kind of shit but we don't take it too seriously we like doing the fantasy booking we like doing predictions but that doesn't mean that we know everything we're not fucking brad shepherd fuck you brad shepherd for being on fucking twitter all the time acting like you have inside sources from someone that's about to get their journalism degree you can go fuck yourself calling yourself a goddamn journalist you can clip that sound clip that put it whatever the fuck you want fuck you you give us a bad name asshole and i'm so fucking glad that bray wyatt called you out fuck yourself from tales of turrington from doug turrington uh, whatever you want. This ain't a persona. Fuck you. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I'd say it's time for us to take a break before we get too far and uh, off the rails here and my blood pressure goes off the rails. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Make sure you use our promo code MWM4LIFE. Get one month free on us. That's right, one month free on us. Be able to access all of the independent wrestling in the world uh, including uh, promotions as Evolve. And we are back. Thank you to our sponsors for keeping the lights on. JT, I have a question for you. Popeyes or Chick-fil-A? Um, I'm going to be team Popeyes. I'm just going to be honest now. I, I haven't tasted a sandwich yet. I'm kind of pissed off because of the fact that I'm on a diet. And I got to wait. But I'm riding with Popeyes, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, this is a chicken. This is a real chicken place. That's all they do is fried chicken. That's it. They don't serve nothing else but chicken. Similar to Chick-fil-A, but you got more sides. A little bit more on the unhealthier side, but I choose Popeyes. I'm going Popeyes for taste and for being able to sleep at night. But I do agree with a lot of positive things about Chick-fil-A. And a lot of negative things about Popeyes, but I will say one of the main things I've been hearing about Popeyes is how shitty their customer service is. That's that is everywhere now. If you go to fucking Burger King or McDonald's or Taco Bell, you are at the very fucking mercy of whoever is at that drive-through that day. And if they are in I don't give a fuck mode, you're getting a yeah pill around. Yeah, go out with your. Chick Fil A is always on their game. They're at the fu- they're outside your fucking car, taking your order three blocks away before you even get to the front of the line. That's awesome, but there's some some sketchy who they support charities and organizations, and I we don't get political on the show very often. But I can sleep at night knowing that I eat from Popeyes and they don't fucking hate gay people and stuff like that so i'm just i'm just saying from that standpoint that helps the the whole argument for me personally but um 
Fuck them both. It's all about Boston Market. Oh, Boston Market. You eat that shit? Oh, man. Uh, well, if you're throwing out places that people probably don't eat, I- I'm going to I'm gonna give a shout-out to a hometown uh, fried chicken spot back home in Boynton Beach. Shout-out to Bud's Chicken, who has the best chicken sandwich on planet Earth, period. I've had Chick-fil-A, and it's 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 good, but, uh, man, I, I just... I don't really fuck with chicken sandwiches all like that. If I eat chicken, it's probably in, in some sort of effort to be choosing a healthier option than red meat or something like that. So uh, I, I, I don't eat chicken as much in fried form just because if I'm going to fucking have all them calories, I'm probably going to get a burger or a burrito or I don't know. But fried chicken is a shit. We were talking about this, too. Does Popeyes actually have mac and cheese? Has they always had? let us know? Let me know. Tweet me. Send me a message. Has Popeyes always had mac and cheese? Because like fucking seven years ago, I went to Popeyes, didn't have mac and cheese. Don't know if it was because they were out. Didn't know if that store did not carry it. But I went to Popeyes randomly uh, about a year ago, and. They had mac and cheese, and it was delicious. And it's usually one of the main sides that I want with my fried chicken. So I was very happy, and I was all back aboard the Popeye's train again. Uh, because, like they say in Little Nicky, it is the shiznit. <laughs> Love that chicken from Popeye's. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Pop- Popeye's, I, I would choose Popeye's over KFC in a heartbeat. Yeah. Bojangles. Uh Church's chicken. Um Man. Mr. Chicken. <laughs> hold, 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 hold on. Fuck Mr. Chicken. All right. So I had Mr. Chicken one time within the last six years and it was trash. I don't know how they, they tried to sell those side dishes as other things than trash. That it was just it wasn't good. I, I it is fuck. There's a reason why there's not that many locations. Let's put it that way. They're, 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 it's just facts, okay? KFC, they're good. They, they, they do what they do. They've got varieties. The popcorn chicken is the shit. Uh, all the little snacker things that they have, the famous bowls. I feel like they've perfected some of the drive through aspect of it so that you can get out of there without having to wait 20 minutes for them to fry up another batch of fucking chicken breasts and shit. But I feel like this is a wrestling podcast, and we've been talking about chicken for about five minutes now. I'm hungry all of a sudden. I wouldn't mind some dirty rice, some Popeyes, or maybe red beans and rice. Okay, so back to wrestling. I'm sorry. Uh, just had to talk about it. I mean, this chicken war is taking over the internet by, by a storm. All these memes, all these videos, all these gifts. I mean, it is hilarious. People are fighting in Popeyes because they're running out of chicken. And y'all knew y'all was going to do this shit for a year. Y'all knew this. But uh, anywho, moving on to wrestling. Uh, so we left off on, an, on another note. But let's also get to this note far as uh, on the show. Let's also talk about the comments that were made by Chris Jericho. Now, I don't know if you've seen this. So he, he was on the Busted Open, uh, Busted Open on uh, Sirius uh, XM. 
And um, he made the the comment of, you know, well, we we never wanted a war. We wanted to do our own thing. And it's like I'm listening to this. I'm like, man, it sounds sincere. But then I look back at some comments that were made previously by said person saying that, hey, this is this is a war, whether he realizes it or not. We're coming. So, of course, this is exactly what AEW wanted the whole time. They wanted this type of a war because it's letting them pit themselves up against someone who's, let's just say it, well-known and credible. Right now, AEW is fighting for credibility and being well-known. They have credible talent. Credible talent, credible people that are involved with the product. But it's all about becoming a credible television product at this point. And having them, uh, quote-unquote, in a war with NXT, uh, you know, on a Wednesday, I mean, it's it's the bee's needs, you know. But uh, at, the, at the same time, I mean, come on, man. This, this move was already going to happen regardless. But, you know, on other... AEW news. There's also the news of John Moxley possibly suffering an injury. Yeah, he's got uh, an elbow infection uh, rumored to uh, be a, a reoccurring type of injury for him. He's he's had problems with uh, infections uh, in the past. Um, you know, most famously recently, uh, I believe he had a staph infection coming out of, uh, one of his last injuries at WWE. So it, I'm not happy that John Moxley's hurt, but it does reinforce a point that WWE, when they're restricting guys from going on other dates and things like that, that there's a rhyme and a reason to it. So can we at least agree to maybe not bash WWE for things that are smart business decisions? Um, because it, it it to me, the first thing that I thought of was, wow, AEW learned a pretty valuable lesson pretty early from this if this is, in fact, something that could potentially hold him out of in-ring competition. You know, the, they are famously bucking a lot of things that WWE doesn't do or people consider short-sighted or whatever. And this is one of those things where it's like, oh, wow, we let our guys go from promotion to promotion. And don't get me wrong, for the independent scene, that's awesome. If I'm at an independent show and I know that it's booked with one of the AEW guys and there's a possibility for one of the other AEW guys showing up to build an AEW angle at this independent show, I'm going to that show. So it makes sense, but there's drawbacks to it. There's there's pros and cons. It's not all black and white, just like any of this shit. That's why I come off as rah, 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 WWE so many times because there's so many people that are like, fuck WWE. There's no point for me to go down that road. That's what everyone is saying. It would just be another guy saying the same shit as everyone else. So that's why I'm here for the counterpoints. And this is one of the counterpoints, man. Like, you, you got to look at this from a business decision that you put this guy out there to spread his brand. But this is one of the potential drawbacks. And unfortunately, it happens. So hopefully he gets better soon. 
hopefully people that have paid to see him at you know all out and stuff like that get a chance to see him um he's been able to wrestle with it um already but you know if it gets any worse or you know just hopefully he's taking care of himself and if he is in the ring it's because he's healthy and all that kind of stuff not because he feels obligated to to meet his dates and stuff like that when he's not you know 100 percent. so hopefully that all turns out but um yeah, one of the things with the the Jericho side of things in in AEW, one of, one of the things I was thinking about earlier today actually was, I'm sure there's things that Cody Rhodes is doing right now today that he learned in WWE. There's things that all of those guys, except for you know maybe like the Bucks and you know Omega stuff like that, have learned from guys that have been in WWE that taught him the things. There's guys that have worked in backstage at WWE, like a Dean Malenko, that are backstage probably telling them to do things production-wise because they learned that shit in WWE. From a television production standpoint and a producing a live show and all that kind of stuff, WWE is the show. They're the prime example of how to put on a live show every single week, have great production, have a compelling product, all that kind of stuff. Whether or not you want to agree that the, that the week in and week out product is compelling to you personally, historically, they've already proven it for decades. So when AEW comes in there, smashing throne, doing all that, like, and Cody said it's all him. So, like, there's so much bullshit, like you said, as far as you say that you that, that this isn't a war, but then there's been other times where, like, you, like this is a war. One of my main things with it being the connotation of it being a war is that there has to be a winner and a loser. Why can't they both just be good? Like that's supposedly what everyone wants, but yet they still call it a war. I don't want to call it a war because I want both of them to succeed. For for AEW uh, sided fans to think that WWE is going to go out of business, you're fucking high. It's never going to happen. They, and to think that things like NXT growing to the point where they should probably be on cable television, that that was already probably going to maybe happen. Now, did AEW push that along by making them think, hey, maybe we should push an alternative product so that we're the alternative to our, our own product? Yeah, absolutely. But also at the same time, too, I've been to plenty of sold-out NXT live shows and shit like that. Takeovers are always the biggest thing talked about after a, a, a WrestleMania Survivor Series uh, Big Four-type weekend. It's always the thing that people are talking about. It's been on many national platforms that it's a thing. It's been on the main product. It was evolving to the point where NXT needed to be established as a legitimate third brand. It wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't just the guys that they brought in were hot indie talent time after time. They've developed their own characters there. They have a whole other group of characters that they can develop there. And they're starting to get jammed on the roster. So why not let some of these guys be on an alternative brand. So all this kind of stuff was going to happen. And all these things are positive. It's it's crazy to me that we talk about so many negative things when so many positive things are happening. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, man. It, it, it just is. It's very unfortunate that, you know, people have to look at it through through that scope. But, man, this, this is the best time to be a wrestling fan. I mean, think about it. Monday you have Raw. You know, Wednesday night you have AEW and NXT. Uh, of course, on well, 
what what night is Impact? Impact Wrestling. Yeah. So on on Friday you have uh, Impact and SmackDown, and you also are able to catch ROH and uh, ROH on your locals as well. As well on cable, uh, throughout the week, you have Women of Wrestling, you have uh, MLW, uh, you have so many wrestling promotions out there. It's definitely a great time to be a wrestling fan. You you have wrestling streaming networks, you know, uh, streaming networks like Power Slam TV that you heard earlier. Uh, you have uh, the, the High Sports Network. You also have uh, inde- independent wrestling TV and, of course, nothing else on TV. Like, you have all these different platforms that you can watch pro wrestling. This is the best time to be a wrestling fan, and it's true to say today that wrestling is 25 Eight. Wrestling fans literally need a whole extra hour in a day. We need a whole extra day in life, period, to keep up with this shit. I mean, 25 hours a day, eight days a week sounds like the life of a wrestling fan. It sounds like a good t-shirt, too. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where... You can watch wrestling every day of the week. It can be a different type every week. And, you know, we we can go on and on about what makes certain WWE things work or why some things work in WWE or why they work in AEW or why they work in NXT but don't transfer elsewhere. And I think a lot of it is attitude. You've seen the NXT announcement. People automatically jumped on. It's run by Vince. It's going in the toilet. Rest in peace, NXT. These people have already made up their minds and haven't seen a single fucking episode of it yet. Exactly. The Two hours is not going to ruin it either. I think two hours is still very fine for NXT. They kind of have a logjam with some of the aspects of being developmental. There's already an hour worth of legitimately established people on NXT. There's no room for the developmental people anymore. So throw in a couple more developmental matches, throw in a couple more things to get other people involved, get some more women involved. There's not a lot of uh, women going in NXT right now outside of Mia Yim, Shayna Baszler, and some Bianca Belair, um, you know, Io Shirai. But outside of those four, there's a big drop off. You got your Vanessa Bournes, your Aaliyah, stuff like that. So you can get that going out in the tag team division. You've got Fish and O'Reilly going against the Street Profits, but there's not too many other tag teams going. So there's plenty of airtime to be filled and plenty of people to go around to fill that airtime. Three hours is excessive, but you also have plenty of examples, even recently, of three hour Raws that are good. You can fill through. It's just hard to do week in and week out. So two hours is good because, for the most part, you see good two-hour SmackDowns all the time. It seems like the right amount of time. It seems like everyone, for the most part, got involved. Uh, you know, They've gotten a lot better recently on not bringing in too many wild cards and having it just be Raw and SmackDown on Raw and then Raw and SmackDown on SmackDown. It's a little bit separated again um they still allude to the wild card rule but it seems they're not abusing it which is what i wanted to begin with it's if you go back and listen to the tapes it's what i wanted use the wild card rule every show use it to keep feuds going but don't abuse it and they abused it for a while and that's why everyone shitted on it and rightfully so but it seems like they've scaled that back so 
kind of all over the place right now, but that's what wrestling is. It's all over the place right now. You 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 can watch literally whatever you want to watch. I mean, we're not even going into independence. You know, on your Friday nights, you can go to an AIW show. You can go to an ASWA show on a Saturday night, and you can have a, a, a three different, four different, you know, pay-per-views happen like we've got going on on August 31st. So, and then, you know, you'll have a Sunday pay-per-view right down the line from that. So... There's so much time in the day, you know, if that's why we appreciate everyone listening to these podcasts because, damn, you don't have barely time to listen to podcasts because you're just too busy trying to catch up on all these products out there. Once again, Wrestling 25-8. But to continue on through the podcast, we finally had the big reveal. The big reveal of the person who attacked Roman Reigns. Um what type of Scooby-Doo shit was that? I think I know where they're going. I think I know why people are pissed. Um, but to me, it was just... <laughs> it makes me laugh. I think it should make people laugh, to be honest. Like it, in the words of uh, Tim Cross earlier this week, you know, Ric Flair w- wore a robe to the ring. You know, wrestling is a little silly in- inherently. It's just automatically silly. So we shouldn't take it too seriously, which is part of my rant earlier. But <laughs> you got Daniel Bryan last week up in Buddy Murphy's face, which got memed to death, which rightfully so. It was hilarious. And you you know someone who <laughs> many people have called Daniel Bryan an antagonist and a guy that likes to push people's buttons backstage and just prank people and fuck with people and rip people. So to have Daniel Bryan in Buddy Murphy's face screaming, yelling, uh, and and for Buddy Murphy to keep a straight face and stuff like that, that was hilarious. But then you go to this week, and it's clearly someone that Daniel Bryan is trying to pass off as Eric Rowan. So we're still led to believe that it's Daniel Bryan and Rowan behind it. It's just that Daniel Bryan is trying to manipulate uh, this this random person uh, into, you know, being being the guy. He's trying to pass off a, a, a dummy, a, a body double, basically. So he said, no, it wasn't this big, large, uh, red-bearded guy named Rowan. It was this other random, large, red-bearded guy. That dude's not going to be a wrestler. He we're, we're not building a program where we introduce a new uh, bald-headed ginger with a big-ass beard. Like, that's not what this is. This, this angle is about. It's about Daniel Bryan being a master manipulator and fucking going off the deep end and trying to murder Roman Reigns multiple times. It's supposed to be, what the fuck is this? And and Roman's a good enough guy where he went in to, to give them benefit of the doubt, so he's already, like, taken a step back from it to the point where it's like, all right, I'm giving these guys a chance to... And then... you're so, like, am I actually supposed – because, like, that's all the description really said was just a, a large dude, bald head, red beard. So, like, it might have been this dude that, you know, you got fucking the forensic scientists, uh, David Otunga on fucking commentary talking about uh, Daniel Bryan has uh, forensic scientists uh, on the job making sure that we get the, the proper uh, suspect here, and uh, I have a law degree from Harvard and blah, blah, blah. So they're, they're selling the shit out of it, and Otunga was definitely playing heel that day because he was filling in for Graves. So, the people that are like, what do you mean? That's not really... Of course it isn't, you fucking marks. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh! Like this, this is exactly what, what I'm talking about. Like honestly, like when they did that reveal, like I said, it was something out of Scooby Doo, but it was something that I was expecting. Like because I, I know that it's Daniel Bryan, and I know that it's Rowan, but come on, let's just be honest. The guy, the the guy looked like a creative player. Okay, he he looked he looked exactly as if someone tried to recreate him in 2K19. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it was definitely good comedy at, at the end of the show. And it left, it left, off, left off on the funny note to me uh, far as far as them doing that reveal. Now, you know, SmackDown itself was, was a great show. Uh, you know, NXT this week was also great. Uh, got a great bill for NXT UK for next week. Uh, we have so much, so much to look forward to. Like, like you did mention, man. I mean, so much to look forward to when, when it does come to uh, NXT. And of course, NXT UK. But uh, you know, what one of the highlights was, of course, uh, Mia Yim versus uh, Vanessa Bourne. Now, Vanessa Bourne, I've been saying this for a while. I think I think with the proper push, she could be good. She could be very good. She has to look. Uh she's definitely getting the moves down. She's fresh. Uh former former cheerleader. But uh I do she she's beautiful. Smoking hot. But at at some point we we've that's supposed to be the women's evolution, is that they're more than hot, so you, you gotta. Now that she's established the character, it's time for her to establish that she's actually gonna be able to do something in the ring. So, um, yeah, NXT was great this week. Uh, Killian Dane and Matt Riddle have continued uh, to put on a great feud. I don't think that that's a surprise to anyone that was expecting Killian Dane to come out as a big bruiser. Uh, we've seen. <clears throat> Matt Riddle takes some some slobber knocker matches uh, in NXT already, you know, with the likes of Roderick Strong and uh, Keith Lee and stuff like that. So uh, a lot of good stuff. Uh, I'm really liking what they're doing with Damian Priest. Um, and the Undisputed Era can take some L's and still keep on ticking. Um, those guys remain over. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do with Jordan Miles. I, I don't obviously see him uh, winning the belt um in his match but uh, it, it, he doesn't seem to have a lot of steam for someone that just won a tournament i think this is to catapult him you know because you're getting him in uh I, I wouldn't even say a feud you're getting him into like a, a one-off match probably with adam cole basically rubbing off uh rubbing off of him uh, you got a guy that's that's white hot, and you got a guy that's red hot that could be white hot. So why not try to get this guy to rub off on this guy? So I think I, I think that uh, you know having a match with Adam Cole would be great. It's going to bring more eyes to him to people who did not get to see him, uh, or, or of course on the on the independent scene. So you know it's it's definitely going to be something um, something to watch, uh, something I'm going to look forward to because you know. Both of those styles uh, are very unique. Jordan Miles has a very unique style. Uh, it's it's not too flashy, but it's it's also it's also hard hitting. I mean, it's 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 rough shop. So I can't I can't wait to see what what happens uh, with with this Adam Cole 
and Jordan Miles match. Uh, so NXT, like I said, as a whole, is it's, it's just going to keep ticking. Uh, they've been building towards this for, I'm going to say, the last solid three, what, what year we're in, 2019? So uh, let's just say uh, they've been building towards this since 2015. I, th- I think that's when uh, NXT became a big fucking deal at, at that point, you know, so they, they've been building towards this. And I think, I think that they have nowhere to go, but up. And, um, I just can't wait to see what this looks like on USA. I mean, I, I do know they're going to be broadcasting from full sail live, but I do believe to see them travel in the future. Maybe you get them at the soundstage in Georgia. Yeah, but there's, there's something to be said about NXT's environment being, small and die hard because everyone is there knows what's going on they're all going to participate and they're all going to be loud so when someone gets a pop at nxt it's literally thousands less people making that pop but sometimes it sounds louder than what you would hear on raw especially for some of like the mediocre pops you get a mediocre pop on raw Depending on how loud your TV is, you may not hear that much. So if a guy like a Pete Dunn makes a random appearance like we saw before TakeOver, this sounds loud as shit, even though it's just a few hundred people uh, in uh, you know full sale. So that should help um, the product as a whole on TV translate because it's just so much more enjoyable watching – wrestling when you it looks like the crowds involved i mean that's why it was so one of the reasons it was so popular in the late 90s you would see everyone lose their shit everyone that was there in that arena looked like they were having a fucking blast back in the 90s i mean the 90s were definitely terrific man but uh another thing that's terrific right now is this commercial break that we're getting ready to take as we uh come back we're gonna give you updates on all the upcoming uh, shows that we have coming up with Marks with Mikes and other various wrestling promotions. So we'll be right back. And welcome back. Good. Needed that commercial break. Uh, man, what a great show today so far. But before we get out of here, definitely have to let you guys know about our upcoming events happening very soon. When I say soon, like very soon. Uh, just coming up next month alone. And, of course, in October, we're going to be super busy. So uh, let's go ahead and start off with RSW. So with RSW, we're going to actually be in Connecticut September 6th and 7th. And we are going to be enjoying the show entitled Monsters of the Midway as we're up there in Connecticut. I cannot wait to that card is actually complete. If you are inside the area in Connecticut, make sure you do show up to the event, have a great time, get to see some of these great wrestlers a part of Real Shoot Wrestling. Uh, such wrestlers as the RSW heavyweight champion, TJ Phillips. And I'm only saying this because he paid me to say it. No, I'm just joking. But uh, definitely uh, check out guys out there. You also have the brand new RSW Heritage Champion, of course, and Andrew Palace. And of course, uh, you do have the tag team champions as well. Uh, but that's just with RSW on September 6th and 7th. Then, of course, on September 29th with Ohio Wrestling 
Alliance making their first show, their debut show at the Big Bar right there in Columbus, Ohio, right across the street from, of course, Ohio State University. Uh, I'm sorry, the Ohio State University. Put some respect on that name. Uh, that That is going down September 29th. You're going to see such talents on that card, such as PB Smooth, Trey Lamar. Chase Winners. You also have another name in there, Myron, Myron Reed, who just released a dope, dope, dope track that he just put out that I was just bumping on my way here to record this podcast. It's available right now on uh, iTunes, available right now on Spotify. And, of course, on Amazon Music, if you don't know the name, the name of the track I'm talking about, it's called Flames. It's underneath his uh, stage name, Kid Reed. But definitely go check that out. But these are some of the talents that you can see right there at OWA. Um, definitely make sure you get your tickets out uh, to the show. Tickets are on sale at Eventbrite. You can go ahead and get that. You can click on the link, follow Ohio Wrestling Alliance on uh, Facebook as well as uh, Instagram and Twitter to keep up with updates with that. We'll have more updates with that, of course, on the uh, social media platforms as well on the podcast. And we will be announcing matches as soon as next week's podcast as well. And, of course, on October 26th, we will be right back here in Cleveland, Ohio, right back at Mulberry's for Dark Season featuring the legend himself, Vampiro. So we have a lot going on uh, just this next upcoming two months. I cannot wait to see what does come of everything uh, coming our way with these events once again, if you do want to hop on this road trip, just slide, slide me $5, all right? Slide me $5 on the gas. We cool. And it's not even for the gas that I'm getting the $5 for if you get my drift. Uh, so with that being said, man, episode 80 was a great one. And uh, I cannot wait. We're almost episode 100, man. I mean, we're climbing and climbing and climbing. And I uh, definitely want to give a shout out before we leave here. Shout out to all the new followers that did follow us this week on Twitter. Uh, make sure you do follow us on Twitter for the first time listeners today. You can follow us at Marks with Mikes. That is M-A-R-K-S-W-I-T-H-M-I-C-S. That is on Twitter and Instagram and as well as Facebook, which that's the page I never promote. And I uh, also want you to definitely check us out on YouTube at Marks at Night. Make sure you check out Tales of Wrestling at on YouTube as well. And follow tw- Tales of Wrestling on Twitter and Instagram. Give them that handle real quick, Doug. Uh, Tales of Wrestling on all platforms except for Twitter because they have a fucking character limit in their handle. So it's just wrestling. So there's no G at the end. But if you put in Tales of Wrestling, by the time you get to that N, it should have already filled in and you should click it. It's the little T-O-W logo. It's blue. And I love you guys. And, of course, definitely go to whatamaneuver.net to purchase the latest Marks of Mike's gear. Uh, Of course, we have the classic NWM shirt, but we do have, hey, we've been talking about it on the show, periodically, Wrestling 25-8, which definitely is happening right now inside the world of professional wrestling 
Make sure you do share this podcast with a friend. Like, subscribe on YouTube. Like, subscribe on the podcast. Leave a comment. I'll tell you what. And I'm going to leave this out here. The fifth person to leave a comment on iTunes will receive a free gift from us. That's my word. No purchase necessary. Now, if you do purchase a t-shirt, I do have a prize for you as well. But with that being said, I'm Mr. Six Foot Nine. That was the homeboy, Doug Douglas. We're going to be out this piece. I got some wrestling to catch up on, man. And we are out. Boom. Boom.